Well, good morning, everyone. And we are continuing our current series, Kings and Queens, that is going to be bringing us all the way until Easter weekend, which is fastly approaching. And we're taking a look at these leaders all throughout um, the Old Testament of Israel and how they carry themselves either in a way that is an example to us or that we can definitely learn from the things that they should have done. Um, and so it's been so beneficial for me to be able to journey through these various leaders, whether they are very well known like King David or ones that maybe we've never even really talked or heard about before. And so this morning, we're going to dive into a king of Israel who actually split the kingdom into two. That from this point on, there is the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom of Judah. And so it's not the greatest time in Israel's history. They go from being a united group to being divided. And there is much conflict and things after this. And it was after this division that they were actually divided for more than two centuries. All thanks to our king of the hour this morning. And yet, as we head into this series, as we head into this king, specifically, just like all the other kings, it's important to keep our passage to ponder in mind as we read about these ancient leaders, that it reminds us that even though that there are earthly leaders that are put in charge, ultimately God is in control. And so our passage to ponder for this series that we're carrying all throughout Teams and Queens comes from John 18, 36. And it says this, Jesus said, my kingdom is not, it is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. The kingdom that we subscribe to, those uh, of us who put our saving faith in Jesus, this kingdom is not an earthly one, but one that is held, controlled, and gracefully managed by God, the one who created all things who has our best in mind. And unlike the others that some of them we've been reading about, like Ahab and Jezebel, um, that God has our best in mind, which is such a relief for us today. And so as I mentioned, we're going to be reading about a king. And actually this is King David's grandson, King Solomon's um, son. And we're going to be looking at King Rehoboam and discussing what it means to seek wise counsel. That's our title, our theme for this morning is Seeking Wise Counsel. And we're actually going to learn that this is something that he did, but did not do very well, leading to disastrous consequences, such as dividing the entire kingdom of Israel. So not just small repercussions here. And so to give you a little bit of context, Rehoboam was a man who had big footsteps to follow that his grandfather, King David, was a great warrior. He is described all throughout the Bible as being a man after God's own heart, that he was one of the most famous kings, not only in the Bible, but the world has ever known. And Rehoboam's father, um, Solomon, was no easy man to follow either. We've, we've talked about him before as well, that he was given the gift of wisdom to such an extent that no one had ever been as wise as him before or since that he had built the temple of the Lord and he had riches and wealth beyond number, that there was fame, that everywhere he went, people recognized him and wanted to hear what he had to say, that he had reigned in a time where there was total peace, where before the people had constantly been at war. And so Rehoboam is now following in the footsteps of these great men that we've heard so much about. And he inherited all this wealth, honor, title, power, from those who went before him. He was a ruler of the Lord's chosen people. 
And along with these things that he inherited, Rehoboam also inherited two promises from God. The first promise was one that he would have taken on with pleasure. It would have been something easy to walk in. And this was a promise that was given to his grandfather, King David, decades earlier. And it's this promise found in 2 Samuel 7, 16. Your house and your kingdom shall endure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. That Rehoboam knew that he had job security in that God had promised that he and his descendants would always rule in Israel. And Jesus would eventually actually take on this same baton as part of that line, as one of his descendants. And so he knew coming into it that they would always have a place to rule based on the promise that God had given David. But he also inherited one other promise that very much plays into our conversation this morning. And this one had be given to his father, Solomon, so David's son as well, because of his unfaithfulness. Solomon at times kind of stepped out of bounds. And so God steps in and makes another promise on top of the first one. And this one is in 1 Kings chapter 11, starting in verse 31. And it says, Then he said to Jeroboam, Take ten pieces for yourself, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. See, I am going to tear the kingdom out of Solomon's hand and give you ten tribes. But for the sake of my servant David and the city of Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all of the tribes of Israel, he will have one tribe. So the first promise is that God says the line of David is always going to have a place of ruling. And yet because of Solomon's unfaithfulness, God steps in and he puts some more parameters on that. He says, because of your unfaithfulness, there's going to be a consequence that you were only going to rule one of the tribes, that the other 10, the other, and they're going to be moved and be put under another kingdom. So we're going to be divided. That he, while he was inheriting, Rehoboam was inheriting all of Israel when he first started reigning, he was also living under the promise. He knew that someday, whether in his lifetime or his children's, that it would be divided. It would split in two. That most of Israel would be torn away from his family's hands and given to someone else that was not a part of David's line. That they would rule but they would not rule as much as they were before, that they would not be ruling over all of Israel. So those are the two things that he held at bay, that he knew were happening, that he would always rule, he would always have a place, but it wouldn't be the entire kingdom. And so this morning, we're going to read our focal passage about um, Rehoboam and seeking wise counsel found in 1 Kings chapter 12, starting in verse one, and we're gonna bounce around a little bit, but we're gonna finally end at verse 20. And this is what happens. It says, Rehoboam went to Shechem, where all Israel had gathered to make him king. And when Jeroboam, son of Nebat, heard of this, he returned from Egypt, for he had fled to Egypt to escape from King Solomon. The leaders of Israel summoned him, and Jeroboam and the whole assembly of Israel went to speak with Rehoboam. Your father was a hard master, they said. Lighten the harsh labor demands and heavy taxes that your father imposed on us then we will be your loyal subjects. So the people come to Rehoboam and they're, and they're saying, hey, your dad, he was great, but he was a lot. We were under a lot of oppression that there was heavy taxes and heavy workloads. We're just asking that when you become king, would you just lighten up a little bit? 
would you make life a little bit easier for us? And Rehoboam replied, give me three days to think this over. He's wise in the sense to not answer immediately. He says, okay, I have heard your request. Let me think on it. Then come back for my answer. So the people went away. Then King Rehoboam discussed the matter with the older men who had counseled his father Solomon. So these wise people who had a reputation. What is your advice? He asked, how should I answer these people? And the older counselors replied, if you are willing to be a servant to these people today and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your loyal subjects. But Rehoboam, and here's what we're going to talk about this morning, rejected the advice of the older men and instead asked the opinion of the younger men who he had grown up with and were now his advisors. What's your advice? He asked them. How should I answer these people who want me to lighten the burdens imposed by my father? And the young men replied, this is what you should tell those complainers who want a lighter burden. My little finger is thicker than my father's waist. Yes, my father laid heavy burdens on you, but I am going to make them even heavier. This is the advice he's getting from his friends. My father beat you with whips, but I will beat you with scorpions. And so the king paid no attention to the people. And this turn of events was the will of the Lord. We're stepped down to 15 at this point. For it fulfilled the Lord's message to Jeroboam, son of Nebat, through the prophet Ahijah from Silo. And when all Israel realized that the king had refused to listen to them, they responded like this, down with the dynasty of David. We have no interest in the son of Jesse. Back to your homes, O Israel, look out for your own house, O David. And so the people of Israel returned home, but Rehoboam continued to rule over the Israelites who lived in the towns of Judah. We're almost done. Verse 18, King Rehoboam sent Adoniram, who was in charge of forced labor to restore order. So he's sending out this guy who's going to start all of his heavy burdens on the people. But the people of Israel stoned him to death. And when this news reached King Rehoboam, he quickly jumped into his chariot and fled to Jerusalem. And to this day, the northern tribes of Israel have refused to be ruled by a descendant of David. When the people learned of Rehoboam's return to Egypt, they called an assembly and made him king over all of Israel so that only the tribe of Judah remained loyal to the family of David. So like I said, just as a recap, Rehoboam's father Solomon had achieved great things when he was king, that he had built great buildings and in doing so, unfortunately, demanded a lot of heavy tax from the people. And he had put a heavy burden on them to complete his projects. And although it was mainly foreigners who were the workers and, and part of the building plans, the Jews also had to carry this burden. The Israelites were also a part of this hard work. About 30,000 people were put into hard labor to build this temple. It was very tedious and a very difficult situation. They had also been put into the army, but now they had had enough. They wanted the new king to listen to them and to lighten the burden and slightly they had come to him as king and celebrate him, but also to present their request to him. And basically they're saying, would you just be the kind of king that we want, that we, that you're supposed to be? Could you give us a break? Could you lighten up on us a little bit? And he originally appears to do what is right, where he goes to the elders, these respected people who have been in their positions 
for a long time, who had served with his dad, Solomon, but it becomes very quickly um, clear that he is only willing to take advice that matched his own. That Rehoboam's choices to not listen to wise counsel and instead follow his own will, as we know, caused the division and separation of the entire nation of Israel. It led to conflict, to disputes, to the rejection of David's line that God had put in place, and yet unfortunately even to death of a person who was in charge, his forced labor die. And even though he looked for advice, especially from experienced people that had lived longer than he had, in the end, he turns away and ignores it. And so there's a few lessons for us that we can follow this morning as we learn from Rehoboam's life. And the first one is this. We cannot let pride take us over. When was the last time you asked for advice seriously? I want you to think about that. Like not going to someone to confirm a thought that you already had or wanting someone to agree with you, but actually seeking advice no matter what their outcome would be. So often we can go through life and we rarely stop for wisdom along the way. We get so caught up in ourselves and our own plans that we go from one life-changing decision to the next that we never really stop to ask. Those around us, maybe we never actually even stop to ask God himself. That we go through the everyday, the mundane, and sometimes never really stop to assess our own actions let alone invite people into our own lives for the journey. We can start to believe that our own perspective is the only one that is right or the only one that is balanced, that if people thought like us, everything would be fine. That we look at others' opinions and think that they just don't have all the right information. We think if only they knew what I did, then obviously we would be thinking the same thing, which in some cases can be true, but in others is not. I want you to look at this picture on the screen which you may have seen before, that there's an optical illusion here. And I want to know, I can't see your hands, but you can raise them at home. How many of you here see the older woman when you look at this picture, that you see an older woman in the photo? And how many of you see a younger woman? Because they're both there. And like I said, neither one of those answers is right or wrong. Both images actually exist in the same photo. There is two different ways to see this photo. And depending on where, how you're wired, your perspective, which part of the photo you focus on, your experience, if you've seen this photo or not, etc., all of these different factors, that you will see it differently. And that's the same case for life as well, that we all see situations differently. We all emphasize different parts of a situation. And so often we need to hear other people's perspectives. That we need to step out of our own pride, our own mindsets, our own experiences, and seek not only counsel, but wise counsel from other people. This is why all throughout Proverbs, and we'll look at a few of them, there is encouragement and challengings to seek the advice of others. In Proverbs 12, 15, it says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, where there is no guidance, a people fall, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Proverbs 15, 22, our last one, it says, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. We have to be aware that if we are really going to be a people who seek out God's direction, 
the discernment to know what God wants us to do, that we also have to have the humility to include godly people in their input. That sometimes God speaks through others and we have to invite that into our lives as well. That we are not supposed to walk through life alone, to carry our burdens alone. And so leaning into other people, not only to share what's going on in your life, but to invite them in to ask for perspective, to ask for counsel can be helpful. And in some ways, it's actually a great thing that Rehoboam does do this here. We do see that he goes to these wise counselors. The people come to him with this request to go easier on him. And if he does, they will be his loyal subjects. And so upon hearing this, he does turn. He does seek out wise counsel. He has the humility to ask for help or seek out other people's advice. That is a great aspect of Rehoboam's story. However, it's in this second lesson where he goes wrong. And so the second thing that we can learn from Rehoboam's story is that we have to discern our sources. It's one thing to ask for advice and to seek out wise counsel, but it's another thing to understand where you are getting this counsel from, who you are getting this counsel from. Now, in the case of Rehoboam, he starts out going to some people who would have had a reputation of being wise. They would have been established. They would have been respected, um, well-known, credible. They would have been around for a long time. And they tell him, listen to the people, follow their suggestions, and they will be loyal subjects to you. However, Rehoboam struggled with this for many different reasons, and he decides to ignore this wise counsel and to turn to his buddies, the guys who he had grown up in the palace with, whose dads were also probably a part of the palace staff, who may have been a little spoiled in their upbringing, that's not in the Bible, and say they say to make it harder, to treat people worse than before, to be more strict than his dad, to, to put them to work and to make it harder on them to be more strict, to show them how much power he really has and basically do what the story would suggest Rehoboam wanted to do all along. And so as a result of this, as we know, the Northern tribes revolt, the kingdom of Israel is split into the Northern kingdom and the Southern kingdom of just Judah for the next number of centuries. And the lesson for here, for us here today, is that it's so important to discern the sources to where you're getting your advice from. In other words, we have to be discerning about who and what we are listening to. We hear a lot on a regular basis from all different facets of the world, both our online, um, in person, people of authority, all of these things, we hear it all. And yet we have to be discerning as to who the sources are. For example, I am not the person that you should come to and ask questions about your car or how to have perfect sports um, form when you're playing, let's say a basketball game. Those are not my areas of expertise. And so if I'm giving you car advice, you should understand the source that you're hearing it from, that I'm maybe not the best person to ask, that I can give you all the advice in the world, but you need to discern how much I really know about this subject. And so first Thessalonians 521 encourages us and says this to test everything, everything that you hear, test it hold fast what is good, that we cannot just accept everything at face value, but instead we need to put it against scripture, we need to lift it up in prayer, and we need to test it with other trusted people. 
Because the reality is, and I think a lot of people deal with this as a teenager and even into young adulthood, as I see often, we have to understand that not all advice is good advice. Not all advice is meant to benefit you. And so Forbes Magazine gives us a few criteria here as to what to think through when you get advice. And I added the last one. Does this person have an ulterior motive? Who is this person? Why are they giving you this advice? Was it asked for? Are they just pushing themselves into it? Whatever it may be. Do they have an ulterior motive here? Does it benefit them in any way? Does this person have experience in this area? Again, do not ask me about cars because I will not know what to tell you. But do they have experience in this area? The third one, have I also consulted other trusted individuals who would agree with this? If I brought this to my pastor or my parent who I deeply love or my brother or sister who I trust or my best friend, would they agree with this? And the last one that I would add is, does this advice align with the heart of God? Does it agree with scripture? If I brought it before God, what would his opinion on it be? <clears throat> and Rehoboam really struggled with this. He didn't have a good evaluation of the advice that he was receiving. And verse eight says he rejected the advice that the elders had given him. Why is that? Now, there could be a multitude of reasons and scripture does not lay them all out for us. But some of the reasons could include that he thought he was better than them. He thought, you guys have been around for a long time. I know how I'm going to do it this time. Maybe he thought that their ideas were too outdated or simply he just didn't agree and he wanted to do something different. And so when they give him this advice, he says, thanks, but no thanks, because I know how I wanted to do it. And I just, just waiting for someone to agree with me, which brings us to our very last lesson, our last point for this morning. Sometimes wise counsel, and I would say often it does this, challenges us or makes us uncomfortable. There have been so many times in my own life, and I wonder in your life as well, when I have invited or I have pulled aside some wise counselors in my life and been given advice. And let me tell you, they did not always say what I wanted them to say. Sometimes they had some hard truths to say, Kristen, you're out of, you're out of bounds. You're stepping over the line that this is not going to benefit you. It wasn't always what I wanted to hear. And oftentimes it evokes strong emotions in me, whether that be anger, sadness, whatever it is. However, every single time, because I was going to trusted people that I had a relationship with who I knew loved me. I knew that what their, what their advice was, was going to benefit me in the long run. I knew that it was going to help me to be a better version of myself. And I'm sure you've had situations like that as well. And Rehoboam received a counsel from the older counselors and yet their advice didn't agree with him. It wasn't what he wanted to hear. And so instead of considering it, of mulling it over, of bringing it before God, he chose to reject it and find something that he found more attractive. And it can be so easy in our own lives to do this, to seek out information or counsel that makes us feel good, that helps us to justify what we're doing, that helps, that doesn't challenge us or help us to reconsider our own perspectives, that we ask God for direction in our lives, where he wants us to go, and then when it doesn't agree with our plans, we turn the other way. We ask God for an answer and he gives us one and it's not what we want to hear. So we just keep asking. Or we do the same thing with a friend. And I heard this statement recently and I can't get it out of my mind. It says, sometimes God is asking you to lay down 
good enough in order to make room for his best. That sometimes God is asking you to lay down good enough to make room for his best. And we may think that our plans will eventually work out. Rehoboam said, you know, must have thought this is going to work out for me, at least to some extent. And that very well may be the case sometimes. But we don't always get to see the whole picture as much as we would like to. We don't know what's around the corner. And so when we seek wise counsel, when we invite trusted people into our lives who love God, who love us, who want what's best for us, and they tell us something uncomfortable, it might be because something better is far ahead and it's too beyond our own perspective to see. That we have blind spots. And sometimes people come along and they say, Kristen, you're, you can't see this part, but this is going to hurt you. Or I really think God has something better for you. Or if you just change the way that you're behaving in this area, I really think it would help. And we don't like to receive information like that. Rehoboam didn't. And so it's easy for some of us to seek advice, to seek out other perspectives. And yet it's harder for some of us to do that as well. However, the question that we all need to ask ourselves is, do we really want to know the answer when we ask? Are we willing to accept it? When we ask for advice, am I really willing to accept whatever they say? Rehoboam in this case was not. He was not willing to look outside of himself and consider a new perspective, to recognize that we all have our blind spots, that we all see things differently. Again, like this photo, where some of you see a duck and some of you see a rabbit. We all have different perspectives. And so let us be people that as we learn from his life, who are humble enough to invite others into the conversation, to look outside of ourselves, to prayerfully consider and discern the information and advice that we've been given, to examine the sources that we are obtaining our advice and counsel from, and finally, to bring it all before God and humbly ask for his will to be done in our lives. The reality is, and it's a deep breath for me this morning, none of us have it all together and we need each other. So let's not get caught up in ourselves and our day-to-day -day long enough that we never invite other people in. And those are the lessons that we can learn from Rehoboam this morning. So let's pray, and then we'll invite the host pastors back up. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness in our own lives. And God, this morning, we apologize, we confess, God, we ask for your forgiveness for all the moments that we have let pride take over where we stubbornly do our own will, where we turn our own way and it didn't work out. God, we ask for your will to be done in our lives. We ask that you would bring godly people into our lives to give wise counsel, that we would invite that, that we would welcome that, that we would encourage that in our own lives. And yet God, as we hear advice, that we would always be discerning. We'd always be searching as to who the source is that we would be comparing it and contrasting it and bringing it up against scripture to know, does it align with your heart? What would you have us do? And so God, for myself, for people this week, Lord, I just pray that you would help us to be able to seek wise counsel and listen to it. We thank you for your goodness and for your love, God, that you want what's best for us always, even when it's uncomfortable. And so we love you. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen.